Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. On what's God got to do with it? And I'm really excited to share this series called Acting As If, which in a way is the origin story of the God Pod. So I had the incredible opportunity to join forces with the amazing Amy Brown for a series called Acting As If, which literally came to be on a walk on a trail here in Nashville when Amy was like, okay, Leanne, what is the deal with this idea of acting as if? And I kind of believe in it, but it's definitely not as easy as it seems. You know, can you break it down for me? And I was like, oh, girl, you have no idea. I love this stuff because unbeknownst to her, I'd been teaching my own version of belief shifting to my clients who, just like her, trying to act as if or use fake positivity and feel good affirmations and fake it till you make it mantras, it just did not work, not in the long run, at least. And that is where this four part series was born. Inside Acting As If, Amy and I explored the science behind shifting beliefs, and we dove deep into strategies to break free from negativity, even if positive thinking and acting as if has never worked for you in the past. And we laid it out step by step, teaching you how to nurture a brain that's not just emotionally healthy, but also how to become emotionally available to yourself, which we talk about all the time here on The God Pod. In other words, it's a journey into understanding the power of our thoughts and how to leverage them to influence our beliefs, our feelings, and our behaviors. It's the crash course in transformation that I wish somebody had taught me decades ago. Little did we know then that this series would be the unexpected catalyst for what is now the What's God Got to Do With It podcast, which I can only describe as a God thing because Amy and I had no idea when she first brought up the idea for this series. So while What's God Got to Do With It explores the intersection of faith and science, acting as if focuses more on the science of belief. So without further ado, let's dive into the four-part series, Acting As If. All right, this is fun. Hey, Leanne. Hey there. We're starting part one, which is the thinking part. So just to give you a little heads up of what you've got in store, this part is going to be the thinking. Part two will be feeling. Part three will be believing. And part four will be doing. So Leanne, kick things off with the thinking. 
Yeah, well, just to kind of set the tone or give you all context of how this all came to be, you know, there's a lot of talk out there of, you know, just fake it till you make it or, you know, act as if or, you know, just turn things into a positive. And I know for me personally, that never really fit the bill. It didn't complete the task and something was missing. And I couldn't figure out why I was trying to think or act as if, but it wasn't downloading for me. It wasn't becoming true or my default. And so over the years that I've been kind of immersing myself into the specifically self-image science of how we change the way that we're thinking, why we do what we do, how to actually transform our beliefs and up-level our thoughts, what I discovered was that if we don't believe the words that we're saying, it's never going to be downloaded. And so, so question about that real quick. Sure. Because I have seen multiple people and I've practiced it myself, like even if you don't believe it yet, well, you'll probably get to this part, but it's still okay to say it, even if you're not believing it yet. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to talk about that in part three of the believe side of it. Gotcha. And it's not that acting as if is bad or wrong or doesn't work. It's just that there's going to be so much resistance if you don't meet yourself in the resistance. So part of what we're going to do is talk about how to actually make it come to life so that there's not resistance, so that your brain and your self-image and your current doubts and, and beliefs or unbeliefs are not working against you. Because what I would say in regards to that is if you're going into this like, ugh, positive thinking or whatever, acting as if that doesn't work, it won't work for me, then you're right, it won't. So there you go. Hey, there's a Henry Ford quote that's very similar to that, which is like, if you think you can't, you're right, you right. can't. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And and really this is coming from that skeptical, cynical part of my brain of, I was trying to kind of troubleshoot why it wasn't working. So if you are having those thoughts of doubt or skepticism, we're here to meet you there as well. Yeah, I mean, it's totally normal to, be skeptical. I I would say I was first introduced to acting as if in eating disorder recovery. So it was me practicing going out to eat and ordering a pizza. Like that's totally normal because I used to overthink that and it would just be this whole process and be like, well, I have to get a salad first. And then I would act as if I could get a salad if I wanted a salad. I could get pizza if I wanted to get a pizza. And I was training my brain to behave that way. And this conversation is not eating disorder, body image focused, although it can apply to that. We're going to be talking about all the different areas in life where you can act as if. Absolutely. Yeah. It applies to everything. And you'll notice specifically the doing, the acting, the action side of it is step four, because that's the part that kind of just becomes the cherry on top. Was the pizza me the doing? That's doing? That was. Okay. But that's okay. It's It doesn't mean that it was bad or that it hurt you. It just, you know, you're going to probably understand why it didn't sit or really register in the way that it that could have because there was that resistance. Right. So, well, eventually I do think I got more comfortable with it. At least it introduced me with the idea of like, oh, I can do this. I remember leaving that meal and being really proud of myself. Yeah, it can definitely get the the pathways going, but how does it become your new normal? That's what we'll talk about. So I love to explain it in the, are you smarter than a fifth grader kind of science? You know, that kind of very simple elements of, of how do thoughts become your reality? You hear that all the time, you know, your thoughts become things. And so first and foremost, I wanna talk about how your brain creates new patterns. And, you know, the simplest way to explain it, you know, first of all, your brain is this moldable, pliable, plastic, neuroplastic thing. You can teach it new tricks. You can switch it up at any time, but you do have to give it the, the reps and the patterns. So just to give you a visual picture, and there's so many different ways to explain this, but this is my favorite one, is just imagine that you're on the outside of a cornfield and there's a barn in the middle of the cornfield. 
And if you are walking from, let's call it point A, where you are, to point Z, which is the barn, one time you walk from where you are to the barn, maybe the corn will kind of lay itself down, but it'll probably pop right back up. But if every single day you are with repetition walking from point A to point Z, point A to point Z, little by little, that corn is going to lay itself down more and more and not pop back up so much right? And little by little, you're creating this path in the field where you're going to be able to see where you've been walking. And little by little, the places that you haven't been walking will probably start to pop back up. Because you used to be walking there, right. but you changed directions. Right. So pivot. that is pivot. pivot. <laughs> so that is how the wiring in your brain, and again, it's a very simplistic form of that. So this is where I want to remind you, you have this beautiful miracle of a brain in you that no matter how long you've been doing something, no matter how far gone you think you are, you can absolutely transform it if you take ownership of it. And that's really, this whole series is under the understanding of that, that this is about taking ownership of what you can influence. And because of what we know about the magic of the brain, anything is really influenceable. But like we said, there's a kind of smarter, not harder way to do that. Well, which I think you can enter into this four-part series right now with skepticism. That's totally fine. But if you want to give it a go, my encouragement would be give it a go. Don't just halfway believe it. Just jump in, go all in, see what happens. Absolutely. What do you have to lose, right? And and the first thing is just if all you do is create awareness, and I actually call it awareness awareness, which is this ability to become aware of what you're not currently aware of, even just that is enough to start creating some of that neuroplastic transformation. So if that's all you do, just meet yourself there of just becoming aware of what we're talking about, that is enough to get the ball rolling. So I love when you talk about the data versus the drama. I say that all the time to myself. Now, ever since I learned that from you, I say, okay, what's the data here? And what part of me is being drama? And our, our brains have both parts. Absolutely, yeah. And this is where, you know, there's a lot of thought models within neuroscience that talk about how your thoughts can and do become reality. And here's where I'll also add, you know, this is happening either way. Your thoughts are creating a reality regardless of whether you know it or not or like it or not. So it's a data-filled reality or a dramatic reality. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> You're literally creating it. And I'm going to show you what that looks like. But this is where I say, like, let's just go take ownership of our minds and steer our thoughts in the direction that we want them to go as opposed to the way that momentum has been having them go. But also let's do it with a lot less resistance. Let's meet ourselves in our doubt. And I'll explain what I mean by that. Like you shared, Amy, the distinction I teach my clients is this concept of the data versus the drama. The data is really the reality, the truth, right? The irrefutable facts. And the drama is really just the meaning or the story or the justification alongside that data that we give it. And oftentimes that's where we fill in the blanks with shame or blame or guilt, comparisonitis, perfectionism, just drama in general. And that is the storyline that does not have to be there. So let's walk through a couple of examples just to kind of really spell this out. So the data is my daughter got a C on her math test. The drama is I'm a bad mom. Ah, why didn't I help her study more? It's my fault. No, the data is she got a C. 
And we're going to get into actually shifting that because I know a lot of people, their first inclination is to like, no, let's just change it into a positive or let's just fake it till we make it that I'm actually excited that she got a C or whatever. Like at least she didn't get a D. Right, exactly. But right now, what I'm inviting you to do is first just create this distinction in your brain. Awareness of bringing yourself back to the data is enough to actually switch you into that more relaxed part of your nervous system, which we're going to talk about in part two of acting as if. But that being said, all we're doing right now is just noticing the drama, bringing ourselves back to the data, noticing the drama, bringing ourselves back to the data. So let's go through a couple other examples. So the data is my husband left the house and didn't give me a kiss on the cheek like he usually does. The drama is, ah, he doesn't love me anymore. Is there someone else? Our marriage is doomed. No, the data is he didn't give me a kiss on the cheek right? And everything else, we don't know. And it's a story. It's a meaning. Oftentimes we move into that doom and gloom. So just bringing yourself back to the data, and we're not always going to like the data, which we'll talk about in a second, but just bringing yourself back to the data is enough to bring you back to your prefrontal cortex, to that logic and reason brain. And because of something called reciprocal inhibition, meaning one can't turn on when the other's turning on, because of that reciprocal inhibition, if you're in that logic and reason part of your brain, your animal or emotional brain can't go down the rabbit hole that it normally goes on. So we're literally, it's kind of like a pattern interrupt, like you're boom, you're switching yourself back to the data, back to the reality, okay? Let's just go one more example to drive it home. The data is I need to get a root canal and it's gonna cost me $1,500. The drama is, ah, it's gonna ruin me financially. What if it gets infected? Then it's gonna be another three grand and my kid won't be able to go to college. And again, I I know it's dramatic, but these are the rabbit holes that we take ourselves down just with our thoughts, okay? And we're gonna talk about the repercussions of those thoughts and the actions and all of that. But right now we're just shining a light on the thinking side of things, the thought side of things. So again, just being a master drama detector and data collector. We're not shifting it. We're not replacing it with a new belief. We're just literally sifting and sorting the data versus the drama. I'm thinking of me at work sometimes on the Bobby Bone Show, if I've said something that I regret or it didn't come out the way I wanted it to, or it ended up sounding like I felt stupid after I said it. And then that's the drama that comes into my head is, oh, I'm so stupid. Why am I even in front of a microphone? I'm not equipped for this job. I wish I was smarter, you know, just like all these things. And really the data is, and I just realized you say, Data, I say data. Yeah, potato, (laughs) potato. (laughs) Uh, The data is I gave a wrong answer or I said something that was incorrect. Let's move forward. I am smart. I am capable. I don't need to sit here and beat myself up over it or call myself stupid. So similarly, if you mess up at work or, you know, mess up a report and your boss is like, how could you screw up these numbers? Or you just entered something wrong. I feel as though a response I would give is, oh, I'm so stupid. Why did I do that? But instead, that's the drama. Let's take ourselves out of the emotional animal part of our brain, go to logic. And the data is I hit the wrong button. Now, what can I do to show my boss that he can count on me and rely on me instead of spiraling down that? Because I guarantee you from the little I know about this, if you continue down that, oh, my boss probably thinks that I'm stupid and I am stupid, then you're going to make more mistakes. And if you believe that you made a mistake, you own it and you move forward, that you're going to do better next time, you're more likely to not 
make more mistakes. Absolutely. You just touched on two super important things and I'm going to address both of them. So first and foremost, when you're in the drama, it forces you to be in that sympathetic fight or flight branch of your nervous system. And that logic and reason brain where you're like, no, I am a good person or I am smart. It can't coexist when you're in that sympathetic branch of your nervous system. So that's why we have to bring you back to the data and get you back in that parasympathetic or logic and reason part of your brain. Because again, when you're in the data, you're going to be able to come back to that logic and reason, you know, rest and digest calm branch of your nervous system where the actual truth lives. But again, if you're in that fight or flight, all logic and reason goes out the window, right? So that's one thing that you just said. But the other important thing that you touched on, and I don't even know if you know how important it was, what you just said is this cascade, the chain reaction. So I want to take a look at We talked about the data versus drama, and now you're super aware of it, right? You now have an awareness that you have the ability to become aware of where there's not just your thoughts, but what, is it a data thought or is it a drama thought? Is it true? Is it actually happening? Or did I just build a story around it, right? I want to give one more example. Sure. It just came to my mind when I was going through my divorce, the data was we're getting a divorce. We did a lot of hard work. We did a year's worth of therapy. It is not working. It is best for us to part. That's the data. The drama is I can't believe I'm getting divorced. I never thought this would happen to me. And I have failed. I've failed as a wife, as a friend, like you name it. Like even in my job, I always was like, I will never get a divorce on air. And I was, I had so much shame of kind of the ignorance I was very naive in my 20s when I was proclaiming on air that I would stay with my husband no matter what, or he would stay with me no matter what. And we've evolved. We've grown. Some more drama would be, now we've messed up our kids. We just adopted kids five years ago, and we're ruining their lives. What type of parents would do this? And so that's another example, because ever since sharing my divorce, I know so many other people are going through that. And... I just want people to know that thought and that I'm sure they have drama surrounding it and we can go back to the data. Absolutely. It's such a powerful thing. And and it just shows this stuff is three-dimensional. It spills over into every area of our lives. And as we're going to get into in part three, drama is always your underlying beliefs about it. And that's why we can't ignore beliefs, right? But the cascade that you were just explaining you know, let's let's label it this. If before we had the awareness of data versus drama, we were kind of walking around unintentionally and unaware, okay? And for the record, there is a cheat sheet and some flashcards and we put together a little toolkit for you so you can see this visually. I know I'm personally a visual person over on leannellington.com slash acting as if, and we'll link that in the show notes for you. So we, we've got you covered. But that being said, I want you to just picture this, Okay. The data is, and I I call this the tale of two cookies, but this can be three-dimensional. I'm going to show you other examples too, but what better way to describe it than with warm chocolate chip cookies, right? Am I right? Right. right. I support that. Yes. So I call this the tale of two cookies, okay? The data is, or the circumstances, I ate a cookie, okay? But if I'm having, again, unintentional, the drama is that was bad, that was wrong, that was unhealthy, I'm weak-willed, oh my gosh, I'm gonna get fat, there goes my diet, fill in the blank, downward spiral, rabbit hole, right? Now the cascade based on those thoughts that's about to transpire is now causing feelings of shame or sadness or regret, frustration, fill in the blank, all of those air quotes, negative emotions, right? And off of the back of those feelings, now my actions are 
well, I'm, maybe I'm going to blame myself. Maybe I'm going to say, ah, screw it and eat more cookies. Or maybe I'm going to go numb out on Netflix or fill in the blank, right? Or maybe it's the opposite. My coping mechanism is moving into trying to control or restrict or declare I'm never going to have another cookie again or go declare that I'm not going to eat the rest of the day or whatever it is, right? Either way, the result at the end of this chain reaction of the circumstance, the thoughts, the feelings, and the actions, the result is still the same. Now I've still eaten the cookie, but now there's this whole cascade of emotions and actions that continues a downward spiral versus let's take it through this intentional thought process of the same thing. Circumstance, the same circumstance. It hasn't changed. I ate a cookie, right? It hasn't changed. The new circumstance is the data. I ate a cookie right? And I don't have to like the fact that I ate a cookie, right? I don't have to like the data, but the sooner I can accept that this is just what happened, the sooner I can move on. Because when I argue with reality, all I'm doing is creating suffering and I refuse to make meaning of this or become a victim to my thoughts. Okay. And what I just said is actually my go-to belief, which we'll talk about in part three of believing of acceptance of, I don't have to like the data because you're not always going to like the data, but this is the data. Again, we're just bringing ourselves back to the reality. And it's, I call it the reality check. So that being said, circumstance is the same. I ate the cookie, but now the thought about the circumstance is a data-driven thought. And now the feelings are just acceptance, right? It's just ownership. It's peace. Notice I didn't try to move into like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy I ate the cookie. And like, this is amazing. And I'm not like trying to switch it into a positive. I'm just literally accepting the data. Right. And so now the cascade of if I'm feeling just acceptance or just basically neutral, like I'm not feeling anything, I'm at peace about it. The actions might be, okay, now it just stays as one cookie. It's not a full on binge. Right. And now I'm in the part of my brain that I'm going to actually need to be in to go create positive influence in the direction of my best self so that I'm proud of how I now responded instead of not proud or feeling shame about how I reacted to the situation. And it does not take me down this spiral or this downward rabbit hole. And again, the cookie represents your daughter making a C. Yeah. It represents messing Anything. up at work. It represents getting a divorce. It represents any circumstance. Any circumstances, the yeah. cookie. Exactly. And now the result of this new cascade is I still ate the cookie. It didn't change. But now there's a whole cascade of emotion and actions that created this upward spiral or even just a neutral spiral. So the point being the same set of circumstances with two separate thoughts will create two separate spirals, either upward spiral or downward spiral. Are some people's brains more naturally inclined to do this type of thinking? Depending on certain life experiences, we may default to drama and spiral down, but other people, given their life circumstances or something in the way they were raised, or who knows, even genetically, that's what's wild to me too about certain genetics is thinking that anxiety that my <laughs> grandma had like might live somewhere in me too. But I just want to talk question. about that because some people, this may come easier or you may know someone that already does this and they do it effortlessly and yeah. you're like, ugh, I'm having to basically do all this homework. So just know that that's just how it is. Yeah, a thousand percent. That's so, the data is, it, it, it's just that way, except it. <laughs> right, right. Well, yeah, I mean, we become whatever we practice. So there's the the nurture and the nature side of this, okay? So yes, it is possible that nature or what you've learned or inherited or whatever, you can be wired in certain ways. 
But I'm going to make up a statistic and say that I would guess 95% of this is nurture, is what you're actually consciously practicing. So if you grew up in an environment where people are looking at the glass as half empty, there's a good chance that you're going to have been influenced in that direction. But still the 95% of you that has influence over your choices, you can shift this. So we become whatever we practice. But some people may have been fortunate and have practiced or gotten modeled a really positive, powerful mindset. But keep in mind, even if you're one of those people that you're like, nope, this is just who I am genetically, whatever, I want to invite you into the possibility that you're in a lot more influence and control of this than you think. Which is part of the believing. Yeah, absolutely. Which we'll get to, yeah. So just another example to show you that the same circumstance can create two totally different realities based on your thoughts or your thinking about the circumstance or the data. So let's call this the tale of two dating experiences, okay? The circumstances, he hasn't called or texted, okay? That's the data. The thought, if we're going down the drama spiral, is what's wrong with me? He must be thinking X or he must not be thinking Y or I'll never find anyone. Ah, rabbit hole, rabbit hole, rabbit hole, right? And then that leads to feeling. Notice the feeling is a symptom of the thoughts. It's an effect that's caused by your thoughts. The feeling is now hurt or sadness or self-condemnation or maybe goes into hopelessness. And based on that, the action is now, okay, numb out on Netflix or drink a bottle of wine or mindlessly scroll and compare myself to others on social media or fill in the blank with any coping mechanism. Or maybe it's like, you know, swear off dating or declaring, okay, I'm just going to be alone the rest of my life. Either way, the result, the outcome is he still hasn't called or texted, right? But now there's this whole cascade of emotions and actions that continued or created this downward spiral based on the circumstance. Ooh, sometimes men listen to this show. So it could be, she hasn't called. Exactly. Or she hasn't texted. That's right. Insert, this is Mad Libs, people. Or or they (laughs) haven't called or they haven't texted. Just, you know, because I'm also thinking of another one that uh, you could add to that, but to numb out or if you have, you're having these spiral thoughts is you may end up reacting to that person in a way that you don't want to, it's not exactly. naturally how you would show up. And you may send some sort of a text that later you're like, shoot, why right. did I send that? Either way, the result is you're showing up as a version of yourself that is a reflection of that downward spiral that you're now down. That's part of the action. So yeah, I've been there. Hey, not, haven't we all? Not with yeah. the dating thing yet, no. but just like in life, like I'm like, why did I act that totally, way? Totally, yeah. And that's, I was just, I was, that was downward spiral aiming. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And this is so, everything we're talking about here, the reason we're talking about it is because we want to relinquish you of any shame. You're so human if you're experiencing any of this. And that's why we're giving certain examples, but let's let's take it through the flip side. Like what happens if we don't take ourselves down that drama spiral? And so the circumstance, again, it's still the same circumstance. He, she, they have not called or texted, same circumstance. Again, the data is, hey, he hasn't called and I don't have to like it, but the sooner I can accept that this is happening, the sooner I can actually move through it. And I refuse to make meaning of this or become a victim to my thoughts. And then that creates feelings of, again, it's not roses and butterflies like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad they didn't call. But now I didn't like them anyway. Right, exactly. (laughs) Then we're bargaining, right? But now it's just feelings of just like, okay, acceptance or just neutral, right? Or peace even or ownership, right? And then the actions that come off the back of feeling acceptance, peace and ownership are now, okay, you've kept your cool. 
And now you're in the part of your brain that you're gonna need to be in to create positive influence in the direction of your best self so that you're proud of how you responded, not reacted to the situation, and it does not spiral, right? And if they don't call you back, they're lost. Yeah. Because now you're in the part of your brain that's the most awesome you. Exactly. And they're missing out. Yeah, jokes on them. Yeah. But <laughs> that being said, now the result is they still haven't called or texted, but now there's this whole cascade of emotion and actions that created the upward spiral that Amy just so beautifully described. And more importantly, you're now proud of how you handled this, right? Same data, same circumstance. He, she, they did not call. Who do you wanna be in the face of it? This is where we're inviting you to just become intentional and shift your thoughts. That whole cascade was created by the thoughts. I wanna go through this with my kids because I feel as though the sooner they can learn this, like I want them to listen to these episodes, which feels weird, like, hey, listen to mom's podcast, but really it's listen to what Leanne has to say. So that way their teenage brain, which probably is so, 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 it's so hard to focus on the data. I mean, we were teenagers, we know. It's way more drama, Yeah, but hey, we can take them through this exact same thing where they keep thinking it, thinking it, thinking it, and then feeling it, feeling it, feeling it, and then believing and then doing. So if you've got teenagers, uh, maybe practice this with them as well. Absolutely. And, you know, it's funny, I'll have clients say that they've, you know, shared this with their kids and they'll say something and they'll be like, mom, that's drama (laughs) or whatever. So it's very, it's accountability. Yeah. It's a pick up a bowl skill. You know, again, it's just awareness. So that's really what I wanted to share in the thinking part of this, where first of all, the power of your words and aligning what you think with what you say, with what you mean, because again, your thoughts are creating a reality regardless of whether you know it or not, or like it or not. So I say, again, let's take ownership of our minds and steer our thoughts in the direction that we want them to go, but with way less resistance. And we're going to get into the nitty gritty of shifting our thoughts and our beliefs in the belief section. But again, the first awareness, awareness that I want y'all to have is the data versus the drama. And so, yeah, you can take your cheat sheet. There's flashcards for this where you literally, if all you do off the back of this first part is to just start noticing your thoughts. And are you meaning what you say and saying what you mean? Because the other thing too is like when you start distinguishing data versus drama, you might be realizing, well, actually I didn't mean that. I just, again, it was out of momentum or out of habit that I was just saying that. So it makes you intentional of your thoughts because basically the way I describe it to my clients is when we become master drama detectors and data collectors, we are literally teaching our brain to be a truth teller not truth with a lowercase t where we're adding meaning and justification and story or fairy tales or shame, blame, guilt, comparison, but truth with a capital T. Like, did it happen? Is it irrefutable facts, right? I mean, I'm thinking of how many times have you heard, like, let's say your significant other, you're in a fight, you're trying to express yourself. And then what we would practice when we were in therapy was, okay, what I'm hearing you say is... And so we tried yeah. to, we would do it in therapy and then, you know, Ben and I would bring it home too and we would pause. Okay, what I hear you say is, and the person will repeat it back to you. And sometimes what he would repeat back, I'm like, what? Yeah. That's what that's what I said. And he said, well, that is what I believe you said. And that's what I, how I heard it. And then I thought, okay, 
hmm. And I would have to get more into the data to give him a response. But sometimes it takes hearing it back from someone else to realize, I said that? Absolutely. How did I say that? That was not what I wanted to say. Yeah, such a beautiful example. The whole active listening thing is is kind of a, what we're doing here. You're becoming an active listener of your own thoughts mm-hmm. and realizing like, wait a minute, is that true? Is it really true? Or am I saying that? Right. It's huge. Yeah, huge. So yeah, so huge. that's it. Huge, huge, massive. <laughs> so yeah, that is it for part one. That is the thinking side of acting as if. And we're gonna get into the feeling side of acting as if in part two. And this is the part, honestly, that's the most skipped over. And I think it's the most important part and you'll understand why when we talk about it. There you go. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Acting As If. And don't forget that all the resources mentioned in this episode can be found over at leannellington.com slash acting as if. And we'll be back with more What's God Got to Do With It. But in the meantime, I would love to hear from you. So tell me about where you are in your story. You know, what questions you have? Where do you feel like you need clarity or wisdom in your own journey? I definitely want to hear from you. So head on over to what's God got to do with it.com and scroll down to the form to share your thoughts, questions, or feedback instantly. That's what's God got to do with it.com. And if you like this podcast and want to hear more, follow, like, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts to get your weekly dose of what's God got to do with it. New episodes drop every Tuesday. And while you're there, be sure to rate and review to show your support. It really means so much. What's God Got to Do With It is an iHeartRadio podcast on the Amy Brown Podcast Network. It's written and hosted by me, Leanne Ellington. Executive produced by Elizabeth Fazio. Post-production and editing by Houston Tilly. And original music written by Cheryl Stark and produced by Adam Stark. Adam Stark.